Good morning. Man, what a beautiful winter we're having this spring. You made it in. Woo! Came in this morning. The air conditioner units were still on, so we had to switch to heat. And uh, before we leave today, we'll switch them back to AC. So we'll be ready for the 80 degree temperature tomorrow. So, so glad to see you all here this morning. Hope you're doing well. Uh, men who went to the retreat, welcome back. Those of you who didn't make it, um, hopefully you feel left out just enough that you'll want to go next time, but not so much um, that you don't feel like part of the group. Um, we miss those of you who aren't able to make it. It was a very powerful time of worship and fellowship and teaching in God's word. Um, so thankful that, that I was able to go be a part of that. And, and uh, God, God really, I believe, is working in the hearts and lives of our, our men. And, and ladies, you're up next. So Mike said earlier, the registration is still open. I um, encourage you to go take a look at that and consider going to Women's Retreat um, because this is a fabulous way to get connected with other um, women in our church and also to set aside some time to pursue um, your relationship with the Lord, um, hopefully undis- undis- undistracted from everyday life. And so Women's Retreat is coming up. All right, if you're, uh, if you're visiting with us today or haven't been here, we're, we're working through a sermon series entitled The Gospel Story. Um, if you want to follow along with sermon notes, they're in the seats in front of you. Uh, I think it says worship at the top. There are some fill-in-the-blanks today. For those of you who are fill-in-the-blank people, uh, there'll be a few of those today. Um, but I wanted to uh, just kind of give a quick overview again of where we're going. I think it's so important for us. One of, the, one of the primary reasons we're going through this series is that we're able to understand the Bible better, that when we drop in on any particular story in the Bible, we've got bearings and understanding of where we are in the big story. And so we're walking through um, the, the 66 books of the Bible, written by over 40 authors, multiple continents, uh, spanning two millennia, looking at how all these little bitty stories are telling one grand redemption story, the gospel story. We started with creation in week one, looking at how not only did God make everything very good, but he embedded in creation purpose that you and I as human beings were created as image bearers. And what we, what we, what we learn from Genesis 1 and 2 is that God created us with this uh, capacity to worship him that we were created as worshiping beings as part of our image-bearing role. We were also created as communal beings, that we were created to dwell in rich, abiding community with one another as image-bearers, and that he gave us a mission to be fruitful and multiply and to subdue the earth and essentially to, to build a kingdom of image-bearers here on earth for him. And, uh, and, and quickly that got messed up, didn't it? In the very next chapter, Genesis 3, we saw the fall, how the disobedience of Adam and Eve uh, led to a distortion of all those things, a distortion of the image um, through a distorting our worship off of God and towards ourselves, uh, distorting our uh, pursuit of community, again, off of uh, pursuing community with one another and, and moving to the self-preservation mode where I'm covering up and I'm hiding from you and I'm putting barriers between you and I. And our, our mission got distorted uh, as man began to seek to build a kingdom for himself. Uh, we saw that just vividly in the tower in the city of Babel, uh, but that has never really ended, that pursuit of building a kingdom for self. And so um, we, made it, we made it that far, and then the last two weeks we've been looking at this rescue, uh, how God stepped into the story, the author of the story, stepped into the story when Jesus came to earth uh, to live this righteous life on our behalf, uh, then to die sacrificially and resurrect victorially, uh, victorially for us, uh, to initiate this rescue that we've been longing for and needing so desperately. And so 
Uh, where we are in the story is we're going to look at how um, the resurrection of Jesus, which we observed and celebrated last Sunday, is at work within us. That the same power that worked in resurrecting Jesus from the dead, um, Ephesians 1, Romans 8, tells us that as Christ followers, that same power is at work in you and I. And so we're going to see now how um, from there, from this rescue, now God is recreating the hearts of men. And we'll do that today and next Sunday as well. All right, so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning. If you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bible, uh, we're going to read uh, 14 through 21 and then come back and talk about it. Um, so I'll give you a chance to, to turn there. If you don't have a Bible and, and want to follow along that way, we have Bibles under the seats around you. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, that's our free gift to you. We want you to have a copy of God's Word. And we'll also have this on the screen. So we'll start in verse 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And so there's this intimate connection between the death and resurrection of Jesus and our lives here today. Verse 16, from now on. Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, for the rescue to be a rescue, God has to fix what was broken, right? Or else Jesus came to earth and died, resurrected, went back to heaven, and left us all the same. So we're in the same dilemma, in the same struggles, everything's still broken. For it truly to be a rescue, there has to be some sense of restoration or fixing what was broken, right? So if in the fall, what was distorted was this image-bearing quality that we were created with, right? Our worship got distorted, our community got distorted, and our mission got distorted. In order for it to be a rescue, right, God's got to fix those things in us. So what we're, what we're looking at here now in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think, is a beautiful overview of, of God describing that what he has done to fix us, to work in us, through the death and resurrection of Jesus. First of all, I think set, verse 17 is kind of the heartbeat of, of this passage. It helps us understand the rest of it. So if we look at verse 17, Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, then something's different about that person. What is it? He is a new what? Creation. That word creation should grab our attention, especially in the gospel story. That makes us think, oh, Genesis 1 and 2. He's a... New creation. 
What does he mean by that? The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So, in Genesis 1 and 2, you and I were created, right? There's that word created to be image bearers. And before sin entered the world, God said, it's very good, right? You are a good image bearer for the Most High God. And so now what we're reading is that somehow through Christ, God is recreating that the old has passed away. What does he mean by that the old has passed away? What's the old? Here's the old, distorted image, distorted worship, distorted community, distorted mission. That somehow through trusting in Christ, that's the old me, that has now passed away. The identity of man is being recreated in the image of Christ. See that? Recreated. It's not that we were created good and now we're just all without hope because everything got messed up, right? The train came off the rails. There's no way to put it back on. We just need Jesus to come back and fix everything. No, what Paul's saying is like, no, through your faith in Christ, God's restoring that right now. You are a new creation. You're very good in God's eyes as an image bearer. You have been recreated. Ephesians chapter 4 Verses 21 through 24 talk about this as well. Assuming that you heard about him, Jesus, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to listen to this, put off your old self. What's the old self? Distorted image, distorted community, distorted worship, distorted mission. I put off that old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So we're going to put that off. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. How do we do that? And to put on the new self. What's he talking about here? Look at it. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, now that is not going to sink in unless you believe what we talked about two weeks ago. We looked at the perfect righteous life of Jesus. He didn't come to lower the standard of God's law. He came instead to obey it and fulfill it for us. And through our faith in him, that righteousness is given to us as a gift. You are just as righteous as Jesus is if you've trusted in him. Mind blown, right? But that truth is central to understanding that you and I are now new creations. Because I think we're prone to believe that we're fixed up creations. We've been remodeled. We slapped on another coat of paint. I look better than I used to look before I looked, before I met Jesus, but I'm not like new, like new, new, like brand new, sparkling new, without blemish new. I'm just better than I used to be, right? You don't want to know the old me because I was really corrupt, right? Now I'm just kind of, I'm almost getting it. No, that's not what the Word of God says. When you are made new, you're recreated in the image of Christ. And everything good that comes out of your life is him in you. Not you just doing a better job at life. It's the Holy Spirit working in you. How do we do that? Very next chapter in Ephesians says this. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What does that mean? We're now imitators of God. God is patient with us, therefore, how do we interact with the world? With patience. By the world, I mean your spouse and your children, your coworker who's super annoying. People are going to hurt you. They're going to take from you. They're going to violate you. 
how do we respond to them? Well, how did God respond to you when you did those things to him? Love, forgiveness, mercy, grace. So we're gonna imitate that now in the world as what? Image bearers. Because we've been recreated in the image of Christ. Now, for everything to come to completion in this rescue, our worship has gotta be recovered in some way. Because, right, we're prone to worship self. Now, we're slow to admit it, but we're quick to do it. Worship what makes me feel good, what I like, what I want, right? Worshiping self is, is, a, is a struggle in all of our lives. So if, if, if everything's going to be restored, the worship of me has got to be redirected back to whom? God, right? Now, that opening verse we read in the first five or six words, listen. For the love of Christ controls us. Now, love the word uh, in the Greek language that we translate here, um, control, um, because it, it means a couple of different things. It's the, it, it surrounds us, so we're encompassed by the love of Christ. It controls us in two different ways. One is, is this, it compels us to do stuff, but it also restrains us like a bridle in the, in the, in the, in the mouth of a horse. It holds us back at times. That's all implied by this word. Isn't that beautiful and powerful? That that's happening in you. You're being surrounded, encompassed by. You're being compelled. And you're also being restrained. By what? It's right there. The love of Christ. Now this principle is all throughout scripture. And it plays true in our lives today. That which you love, you obey. That which you love, you surrender to. And I'll just change out the word love. That which you worship... You follow. Whether it's a sports team or it's the significant other person that you're dating or you're married to, that which captures the affections of your heart, you will follow and surrender to and obey. And Christ is like, I mean, Paul is saying, like, listen, Christ follower, the love of Christ now does that to us. The love of Christ has now captured our affections, and that which we worship, we now do what? We follow and we surrender to and we obey. You see that connection there? Through Christ, God is recapturing our affections. He's turning our worship off of ourselves and our things and the, and the world around us back to himself. The second thing, if you're, if you're taking notes, through the death and resurrection of Christ, our worship has been rekindled. That's why we come in here and sing. Right? That's why we come in here and we celebrate. That's why we come in here and we praise because the love of Christ has met us in the deepest, darkest places of our corruption and our distortion. God met us there. Isn't that what stirs our affections for him? He wasn't embarrassed by us, that he met us in our depravity and darkness and he brought love to us. And Paul's reminding us that's what compels us, controls us, constrains us, surrounds us. Through the death and resurrection of Christ, my, our worship has been rekindled. Now, let's talk about community. In verse 16, Paul writes, from now on. So from now on, something's going to be different. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. So a couple things here. First of all, from now on means what I'm talking about here is not how you used to operate. 
So you used to operate one way, but from now on, you're going to operate in a different way. What's that different way? Here's what he says. We will regard no one according to the flesh. That word regard, you translate it to see and to know, to regard. Like when I look at you, it's more than I just see that you're there. It's like I see who you are. That's the idea of regard here. I see you and I know you. So now I'm going to see you differently. Because remember, we're, everything's changed. We're new creations. I'm a new creation. You're a new creation in Christ. So now I'm going to see you differently. And then he explains what he means by this. He says, remember how we used to look at Jesus when we, we first encountered him here on earth? We, we thought of him. We didn't fully grasp the idea he was deity. We saw him in the flesh and we regarded him as such. But then after the resurrection, we went, whoa, whoa, whoa. Something different about this one. This is truly is what? The Son of God. There's something supernatural happening here in Christ. And now he's saying, hey, in the same way, that's the way you're to see and know one another and regard one another. You, my brother and sister in Christ, are a new creation. You are righteous, and I am to see you that way. Now, how, how does that connect to this idea of, uh, of community distortion? It's intimately connected. Listen. When we regard people in the flesh, here's what we do. We expect from them, right? We expect to receive from them the fruit of a sinful nature. That's one way to think of it. So I expect you to look out for you, right? And I expect you to do what's best for you, not me. And so guess what I do? I put up barriers. Oh, now we're talking, right? Now everybody's going, oh, okay, I'm with you, right? We put up walls, we put up barriers of protection, self-preservation, and all these things are what? Antithetical to community. You can't have community and have walls and barriers. Yet, because of our corruption, right, when we regarded one another in the flesh, what do I do? I put up obstacles in the way. I only let you get to know a version of me. You can know my name. You can know the things I'm good at. I'll even let you know the things that I like and I'm passionate about in life. But oh, I'm not going to trust you enough to know the real me. Where the weaknesses lie. Where the distortions are. Where darkness creeps in. Where, I'm, where I, I lack self-identity. Where I don't trust God. Where I'm still wrestling with who I am and why did God make me this way and you don't get to know that version of me you see how when we regard one another in the flesh how that becomes antithetical opposite of community and what Paul is saying is like listen church you're in Christ now that means you're a new creation you've been recreated your worship has been rekindled and listen your community has been restored could go into numbers of examples in the New Testament. Ephesians 2 just comes to mind, where Paul's beating this drum, and he says, listen, all the reasons for your hostility have been killed at the cross. Yeah, you used to be justified to put up guards. Absolutely. Regard one another in the flesh. Protect yourself. Look out for number one. That's not who we are anymore. All of those reasons for hostility and disunity between you and I have been crucified with Christ and been put to death. What does the scripture say as a command to us? 
Listen, church, no longer regard one another according to the flesh. No longer see and know one another according to the flesh. So that means that in Christ, here's how we should regard one another. Selflessly, patience, humility. Here comes the big one. Vulnerability. Does that make anybody nervous? You know what's making you nervous? A lifetime of regarding people in the flesh. Right? Expecting people to operate in the flesh. Now, in, in Christ, in our new creation, in the church, in your friendships within the church, in your community groups within the church, are the people you're interacting with perfect? Nope. But he didn't say, only trust the ones who are getting it down. He said, no longer regard one another in the flesh. We're going to have to drop the barriers, drop the walls, drop the obstacles, and walk in transparency and vulnerability with one another. Why? Because that makes us better people? No, because that's what you were created to do. That's what you were created to do. And when you do it, there's this freedom you experience, right? Those of you who've done it, and, and what is that freedom? That's you stepping into God-designed purpose. Think about that. That freedom, that taste of freedom, is what Adam and Eve walked in before sin every moment of every day. Freedom, the weight has been lifted. Now in Christ, we walk in vulnerability and transparency. We confess our sins to one another. Through the death and resurrection of Christ, if you're taking notes and filling in the blanks, our ability to abide abide in community is restored. Is it completely perfect yet? Nope. But, it, but, but, here, but here's part of our growth and sanctification. The more we engage in it and do it, the more God will use us to shape and change one another. Right? So don't regard me in the flesh. Take down the walls. Trust me. Guess what? Some of the time, I'm going to be trustworthy because of what Christ is doing in me. Sometimes I'm going to let you down. But don't withdraw and start regarding me in the flesh again. Bring that mess to me, Matthew 18. Let me see my sin. Let me own my sin so I can be transformed to be more like Christ and not do that to you again. You follow me? That's how it works. Now, one last thing that we're going to look at is our mission. So remember initially, God said, hey, be fruitful and multiply. Take this image-bearing quality that I've created and embedded in you and be fruitful and multiply and become this great kingdom of image-bearers for me on the earth. And all that got distorted. Well, look at verses 18 through 20 with me. All this that we've talked about today is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Then he explains what he means. So he's going to explain Christ reconciling us to himself, and then he's going to explain gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, verse 19, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's God reconciling the world to himself. That's what he's doing for us, right? Anybody in the room thankful that God is doing that, not counting your sins against you now? Oh, yes. Amen. Okay, that's what God's doing here on earth. But there's a second half to that, right? He gave us something, and he explains that. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. 
two key words there. He gave and he entrusted. We talked about that, that Greek word that comes out as entrusted several weeks ago when we were talking about the, the possessions we have in life are really entrusted to us, which means that it comes with a certain expectation of what we use them for, right? God's giving you spiritual gifts, church. If you're in Christ, you have spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit's in you. But that, those gifts have been entrusted to you. There's an expectation that comes that you would use those gifts to serve the church and edify one another. Now, something else has been entrusted to us and given to us. What is it? The ministry of reconciliation. What's the ministry of reconciliation? God reconciling the world to himself and not counting sins against them. So the thing that God is doing here on earth, he's doing through what means? Us. Let's grasp the gravity of this. It's not one of the ways that God is reconciling the world to himself. It is the way God is reconciling the world to himself through those who have been reconciled. Have you been reconciled? Then look at what Paul writes next. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. It's interesting, we were in small group time at the men's retreat and had the opportunity to be with a group of guys I don't normally get to meet with. And uh, one of those guys was there, Steve Lambiase, was in the group. Um, and, uh, and we were talking about this idea, God wanted to work through us. And, and I'll just quote him. He said, you know, it's, when I hear that, it's both exciting and terrifying. On one hand, it's exciting. Yeah, God wants to use me. He's going to call me to. And then when we begin to feel the weight of that, like, oh, wait a second, like, the eternity of other human beings is somewhat contingent on me participating with God. And, and if we're not careful, right, we'll begin to feel like it's all dependent on us. And it's, it's, it's a both and. God's reconciling the world to himself. And he's choosing to do it through us. And it's both exciting and terrifying. And Paul's not saying, hey, oh, by the way, one of the ways that God's going to do this is he's going to use some of you. That's kind of how we operate, isn't it, in the church? He's, he's using some of us, you know, the pastor and, you know, and men's ministry leader and community group leader. He's using some of us. Paul's like, no, no, no. If you're a new creation, God's working through you. Not a church leader. Are you a new creation? Because if so, you're his ambassador. God's making his appeal to the world through you. And now what we see is that our mission, think about it, our mission has been reinstated now. Before Christ rescued us throughout the whole Old Testament, every time a human being multiplied, they multiplied the problem. And now we've been given this commission to multiply what? Reconciliation. And through us, God is reconciling the world to himself. A couple of examples, Matthew 16, Jesus with his disciples. He says, I tell you, this is verse 18, He's speaking specifically to Peter in the hearing of his other disciples. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Look at what he says. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That's big. Church, that's big. What does it mean that God gave us the the keys to the kingdom of heaven? Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. This is a reference to the gospel message. This message of reconciliation it unlocks heaven for people 
and we've been entrusted with the keys. This is why when Jesus calls his disciples to himself after the resurrection, he gives them this commission. Matthew 18, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and what? Make disciples of the nations. Remember the rescue mission? To reconcile the nations to himself. And now Jesus is telling his disciples, go get them. Go to the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Through the death and the resurrection of Christ, our mission has been reinstated. Be fruitful and multiply comes now through sharing of the gospel. That, that gospel message that you've been entrusted with unlocks eternity for people. Now we begin to, to grasp the magnitude of being new creation, right? Everything has been restored through Christ. We've been recreated as image bearers of the Most High God through Christ. Our worship has been rekindled. Our community has been restored. Our mission has been reinstated. God has restored everything that was lost in the fall. Through faith in Christ, we are recreated as image bearers and stirred once again to worship the one true God. In Christ, every barrier that kept us from dwelling in genuine fellowship with one another has been put to death, allowing us to dwell in abiding and transparent community with one another. And in Christ, our mission to multiply and become a kingdom of image bearers of the Most High God has been reinstated as he entrusts to us the message of reconciliation as his ambassadors here on earth. Now, I want to land here and invite our worship team to come back up and then I um, also invite our prayer partners who are here today um, to come to the front and the back of the room. This is the time in our service where we respond. Um, I'm trusting that God's spoken to you this morning through his word and through his Holy Spirit. And so right now what we're going to do is give some space in our service to respond to that. For some of us, it'll be standing and singing, right? That re- rekindled worship, we're going to stand and we're going to sing together. For others of us, maybe we're going to sit down and think about what it means to be communal beings and that God has restored that and, and maybe just do some inventory on barriers and things that have, we've allowed to get in the way of us truly dwelling in community. Maybe others of us are going to think about those people who God has put in our lives uh, to whom we're to be ambassadors to and maybe just think about, okay, you know what, God, I really want to be uh, participating in what you're doing in that person's life, so let's start praying about it now. Let's start praying about starting those conversations. Okay, and maybe you want to come meet with one of our prayer partners, something going on. Um, if you're here today and you have not trusted in Christ as your Savior, there's no, there's no greater decision you could make. It all starts right there. Right? You can't be compelled until you know the love of Christ. And so if that's you, I'm going to encourage you to, when we sing, stand, would you come grab one of our prayer partners and, and let them talk with you and pray with you about becoming a Christian today. Let's pray together and we'll respond. Father, thank you so much for this very powerful reminder today, God, that through Christ we are more than just repaired and fixed up. But God, in Christ we are a new creation. Everything that was impacted and lost at the fall has been restored through Christ. And God, that means each of our lives bear witness to that. So God, now would you meet with us? Would your Holy Spirit, come and God, move through this room, move through our hearts, God, and and, and 
doing so speak to us today? God, would you compel us to respond? We pray this in Jesus' name.